turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Here's a piece yours truly hosted that I trust you will enjoy. I am so pleased to welcome David Cortman, Senior Legal Counsel for our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. You can follow everything from Alliance Defending Freedom at Twitter, at Alliance Defense. David, good morning. Good morning. Now, I, we have some time, so I want to take a moment to explain to people. I think that the lawsuit, the American Legion versus American Humanist Association, is the big enchilada for people who believe that the Establishment Clause jurisprudence of the United States is a mess, and that this is the opportunity to clear it up. It's going to be argued before the court in two weeks, February 27th. Would you set up for people the basic background and the stakes and what you think may be happening? Sure. Um, I think it is one of the biggest cases of, of the term, and it's something people are familiar with, you know, all throughout the country, um, whether it's Ten Commandments monuments or other types of monuments. But in this case, uh, there was a, uh, a cross that was set up um, about 100 years ago, so this is not something recent that went on, um, by a bunch of folks in, in Maryland, and they basically wanted to uh, have a war memorial to honor, specifically in this case, 49 men who gave the ultimate sacrifice, who gave their lives for our freedom, and said, look, we want to honor these men for their sacrifice. So they started gathering private money uh, to put up this big cross. Um, over the years, they got the cross finished. There became some traffic issues. You know, the roads changed as they want to do over the years. And so basically it became in the possession of, of the local um, municipality, the, the, the Capital Park Planning Commission. And so what happens is we have this cross that's been there for 100 years. It's been fine, no problem. It's honoring a war memorial, by the way, along with many other war memorials that are in the area. Um, Korea-Vietnam War, Pearl Harbor, uh, World War II memorials, all in this in this big area in Maryland. Then one day, someone comes along, um, you know, with the American Humanist Association and says, as I'm driving by, that cross offends me. Well, because that cross offends me, I must have some constitutional right to take it down, and so I'm going to file this lawsuit, and here we are with the uh, lower court, interestingly, upholding the cross and saying it's fine, it satisfies the Establishment Clause, but the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, too, judges saying, uh, no, it violates the Establishment Clause. It needs to come down, or it needs to get its arms taken off so it no longer looks like a cross. It's just a pole. Now, that's the jurisprudence we have. The irony's here. It's the centenary of the World War One, and this was, of course, a World War One memorial to 49 Prince George's County Americans who perished in that war. And as we speak, there is a documentary by Peter Jackson in theaters which says, the title of which is, They Shall Not Grow Old. And it's the effort to make sure that we do not forget the slaughterhouse of World War I and how awful the trench warfare were. So at the same time that we are celebrating and, and saluting the amazing service and sacrifice of that generation 100 years ago, and a great documentary is out, the American Humanist Association is trying to take down their memorial just because it's a cross. Have I stated that accurately? 
No, that's that's accurate. It's it's uh, they find it to be uh, offensive. Um, it brings them offense, and therefore that must be a good reason to to take it down, according to them. Now this has brought forth, and I've linked to uh, the tweet about our conversation, the SCOTUS blog case, uh, and there are amicus briefs flowing in from. All over, from the Beckett Fund, your friends over at the Beckett Fund, from the town of Taos. I look down here, I find retired generals are talking about this. The Wisconsin Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. I find all over the place, the Family Research Council, the Citizens United and Citizens United Foundation. Why all the interest in a cross in Maryland, David Cortman? Yeah, and it's because the, there's a, a bigger picture going on, and that is not only the Establishment Clause, as you mentioned, jurisprudence is in disarray, um, but I think t- people uh, you know, take offense the other way and say, look, we're honoring folks who have given their lives for our freedom, for their freedom to say, I don't like this cross, by the way, and yet... This symbol that has stood for so many years, uh, all, not only in our country but all over the world, is somehow violates the Constitution for honoring these men. So there's not only a jurisprudential reason here that this case is so important for those of us who follow the court and like all that kind of stuff uh, about the Establishment Clause, uh, but there's also a bigger picture throughout the country saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, why do a few people who say, you know, this cross offends me get to then take it down when the rest of us are out here, you know, supporting all these folks who are, who are making the ultimate sacrifice. I think that's a big issue that involves so many folks from so many different stripes. Now, David Corbin, you've argued before the court many times, but I don't know that you've yet argued before the Kavanaugh-Gorsuch court, have you? I have not. I, I Yes, with Justice Gorsuch, but not with Justice Kavanaugh. That's what I thought. And so it's a brand new Supreme Court. And I saw when they took this cert uh, petition a hopeful signal that the chief justice is going to assign either to one of the the originalists or to himself uh, an opinion that will uh, overrule Lemon v. Kurtzman explicitly and try and give us some coherence about a rule. Are you that optimistic, David Cortman? You know, I, uh, I I try to be an optimist, um, and and I think it's possible. So I'm I'm one of those. The more I learn about the Supreme Court, the less I know. <laughs> so I, so every time I make a prediction, it's probably wrong. But I think there is a good chance uh, for them to tackle that Lemon versus Kurtzman, which is this odd test uh, from over 50 years ago when it really had to do with kind of school funding issues, and the and the court was struggling with what to do with all those things. And it came up with this weird test that basically doesn't mean anything. Any court can make it to mean whatever they want, and that is this: whatever we're looking at here, the cross has to have a secular purpose. In other words, what's the reason you put it up? Um, it can't advance or endorse religion, which is who knows what that means, um, and there can't be this excessive entangle with the government. And and this test doesn't it doesn't apply not only to these situations anymore, but it's such a malleable test; it has no meaning. Any judge can take that test and find whatever they want, and that's been the complaint: is that that that's not a standard people can live by and say, yes, I know how to conduct myself in putting up a monument uh, because the test doesn't mean anything. So I think it is an important opportunity. I think the court may go that far. I'm hoping they do uh, because it really has messed up uh, the ability to know what what is allowed and what is not allowed under the Constitution. Do you think it's hard, David Cortman? I I teach a seminar on the Establishment and Free Exercise Clauses every year, and, and this year I'm having them write a brief for this. And I've asked them to confront the question of Lemon v. Kurtzman and whether or not they can come up with a test. And they have to, of course, know the O'Connor approach. They've got to know the There are lots of different approaches. I just don't think it's that hard, uh, but they've made a relatively easy area of the law. I know what the framers intended, uh, and they intended that there be no state religion. Beyond that, they didn't intend very much, did they? 
No, and, and, and the other thing I think is important, too, is, is people uh, tend to forget that the free exercise clause and the establishment clause work together. So the court and some folks have said over time, well, they're often in conflict. Well, they shouldn't be, because let's think about that for a second. So the founders get together, they give their lives and their fortunes to get this, to create this great document that has run our country for all these years, and they say, I got a good idea. Let's put two clauses, which is actually one clause if you read it properly, but let's put two clauses right next to each other, and let's let them conflict with each other. Let's watch what happens over the next couple, you know, few hundred years. That's not what they're intended. They work together for the same purpose, and that is, as you mentioned, the government doesn't establish a single religion. But number two, people have free exercise to, to follow whatever religion they want or no religion at all. And so there should be no conflict between the two, and, and often there is, and I think that's the, the first mistake. And David, you have been dealing with the professional litigators on this on the other side, and it's not always the American Humanist Association. Sometimes it's the Freedom From Religion Foundation. You know, you name it, they sue. Uh, What is their objective? Uh, Who can be upset over a war memorial cross? Nobody can rationally conclude that the government of the United States is being Christianized as a result of a hundred-year-old war memorial. Yeah, it, it, it's quite incredible, and I think there's, uh, you know, I don't know their intent or motivation, but from the materials I read and from the arguments, you know, that, that they make, this is this is kind of it to me. There's a couple things. Number one is is, is that they, um, some of them have this hostility to religion, it's just flat out is. Freedom from Religion Foundation, you know, they would put out stuff like, wouldn't it be great if there was no religion? So, so this isn't just me saying what they're saying, this is them saying that, um, which is kind of ridiculous if you look at historically... Uh, you know, sure, people have done things in the name of religion that are bad. People do bad things in the name of anything. But religion has brought so much good to not only our country but society. We won't get into how much religious people give. And hospitals and colleges and universities all started being religious schooling. You know, put that aside for a second. Uh, they just don't want any religion going on. And I think the other thing is is that um, it's one of those things where when they see something that they don't like, what they forget is that the freedom of religion in our country protects both the people who believe and both the people who don't. So if you hold no beliefs, that protects you too, because the freedom is whether you want to or whether you don't. So I think what they don't realize is that these freedoms that are built in free speech and freedom of religion, um, they protect everyone, and that's really in their best interest. It's not in their best interest to say, well, let's carve out some of these because we'd only, we think it only hurts certain people when it actually helps you know, them also. Can I talk to you as well about the Supreme Court overview? I, I believe that Chief Justice Roberts is moving cautiously but steadily on a reconstruction of badly deranged parts of the law. This year, it's going to be the Establishment Clause. The court has accepted cert on a Second Amendment case for the following term, and I believe the following term will bring the Louisiana case that got many people dyspeptic uh, with the Chief Justice again to the court in 2021. Am I just trying... He's a friend, so am I seeing this through rose-colored glasses? Because it just seems to me to be a cautious, deliberate strategy, but not let's take everything on at one time and uh, have the court appear to be radicalized. No, I think you're right. When, when, when I look at the chief, I see the same thing. I see someone who's incremental in his steps, someone who's wise, um, someone who considers um, the reputation of, of the court, uh, but, but wants to do his job because they're a, a legal branch, obviously, and have to decide these, these tough issues. So uh, that's, that's kind of what I see, too. And, and even if you look at some of the jurisprudence, even the, the, the free speech jurisprudence about abortion, um, it's not just like there was this case Hill, Colorado, which you're familiar with years yes. ago, that was a terrible opinion. 
Washington that basically carves out a public sidewalk for things you could say and can't say of all places, which in our country has been held you know, to be the, the, the best place, public sidewalks and parks for free speech. Uh, but in moving back on that opinion through McCullen and the case Reed that I argued, it's done one step at a time. It's not let's completely get rid of this thing. Let's just kind of chip it away, and then it's no longer there. So I agree with you. I, I think that's the way he approaches things. I think that's a smart way to do so. Some people may say, boy, I wish they'd just get rid of that thing, and, and I understand that. Uh, but I think the chief does it in a, in a more um, incremental way, if you will. Now I'm going to go deep into the weeds of constitutional law with you. There is the chief justice has authored a concurrence in Sin Citizens United about the doctrine of stare decisis. And I make all my students read it and ponder what he says about which cases he is willing to overrule and urge be overruled. Do you think Lemon v. Kurtzman fits within the Roberts articulated standards for overruling as he put forward in Citizens United concurrence? I think it does. Uh, you know, Lemon has, um, you know, it has some fans, and, and the reason I think it does, it's an easy way to strike down religious stuff. Because if you get to make up whatever it means, then you can strike down religious stuff. And what's funny about it is, you know, this, this concept, and you know, the, the endorsement or the, whether, a re- whether a reasonable observer thinks this thing endorses religion. Well, what they do is they look at the religious aspect of whatever it is they're looking at and say, see, it's religious, we strike it down. Well, that's a non starter. If you're under the Establishment Clause, you're always looking at something that's religious. That's the question, not the answer. And then they flip it around and say, well, this thing is, this cross is the preeminent symbol of Christianity, uh, so let's strike it down. Well, no kidding. Everyone knows that, and everyone knows it's religious. The question is, can it still stand there without violating the Establishment Clause? So this test is so malleable, it doesn't mean anything, nor does it reflect what the actual founders meant in the Establishment Clause. So I think it fits all the problems that Justice Roberts has identified. Um, There's no specific meaning to it. It doesn't follow historically what the Establishment Clause was supposed to be. It's subject to abuse, and it has been all these years. Uh, And I think the biggest thing goes back to no one knows what it means. It's not a real test. It's just basically whatever that judge happens to feel, because in reality the judge ends up being the reasonable observer in the case, because that's the one who's writing the opinion about what he thinks this you know, this monument does. So, David Cortman, just a little bit of advice uh, from you who are an experienced Supreme Court litigator. I've only argued in front of the Ninth Circuit, and that's a three-judge panel, so it's pretty easy to use your swivel head with three judges. When you've got nine and a case this important, I don't know who's going to argue this for the American Legion. Do you know who they have re- uh, retained to, to present their argument? I think, um, so I think uh, my understanding is is that um, Jones Day and First Liberty are handling it. I think Michael Carvin is going to be arguing oh, very good. for the American Legion. And I also think that, um, and you know Neil Katyal, yep. um, he's going to be arguing, I believe, for the First National Capital Park Commission. Um, and, and I think even the uh, the federal government has come in. It'll take 10 minutes with, with, uh, with Jeffrey Wall. Oh, this is, that's terrific. And so we got a, a good lineup. But your advice yep. to them if they stopped you and say, where would you direct your attention at the beginning. Is the chief's vote the most important one here, or is there a chance that you could bring Justice Kagan along with you? I think there is, but what do you think? Yeah, I think there's a chance Justice Kagan and Justice Breyer. Um, and what's, what's interesting about it is, is people, you know, uh, people are talking always, well, is this a 5-4, and they, they try to split the court, you know, in a specific way or ideology or left or right. And, and I, don't think, I don't think that's right. You know, when I go there, I'm looking at all nine. And people may say, well, that's kind of silly. Uh, but I do, because I think if you're making the right arguments and they're based on the law uh, and, and they're correct, there sh- no one should be off limits, I guess is the way I would put it. So I, I do think, I don't see 
this is a 5-4. Um, I see it as easy as a 7-2. Should be a 9-0, but who knows. Uh, but, I, but I think it's a little bit broader than just targeting, for example, Justice Roberts here. Or, or, or Alliance Defending Freedom has brought home some 9-0 uh, decisions yeah. from the Supreme Court. And that goes to show that you don't ever give up on anyone, but particularly where there is a pressing need, where the country could really use some clarity in order to establish rules of the road. And right down to, a, you were very helpful to a friend of mine in a government agency recently. Uh, they've got a prayer before uh, meetings issue, and David Cortman, of course, Alliance Defending Freedom always steps up to help people with advice. David's no different. But we really could use, at every level, we would save so much time if we had a rule of reason that people understood, as was handed down in the Lutheran School case. Well, that's right, because, the, you know, one of the goals, especially of the Supreme Court, is not only uniformity in federal law across the country, so we don't have, you know, one thing you can do in one state, but you go to the next state and you can't do that same thing. So it's not only uniformity, but it's the clarity of, of what what, what the Constitution says, what it means, so people can govern themselves accordingly. So if you have towns or municipalities or cities or whomever to say, we want to put a war memorial here, they should be able to read a few cases and say, okay, we know we're allowed to do this and we can't do that. Well, that's not, that's not there now. And I think that's the issue, is putting some clear guidance so everyone knows how to, how to conduct themselves without having to get sued every time you try to do something. And, and I want to you know, emphasize how, re- how, how real a problem this is. The last time I did a pro bono representation was over whether or not a church could have softball field lights around it uh, in or- because they were proselytizing as they played softball and the local neighbors didn't want it turned down. And the city council was so inept. And I don't blame them. That's not what they do, right? They don't do First Amendment law. So inept, it it is almost impossible for local council who's not deeply enmeshed in this to dive into it and come up with coherent guidelines. I'm not surprised that cities and and counties and states so often get this wrong, David Cortman. It just seems to me to be so complex and so deranged that there is a yawning opportunity, a huge Grand Canyon-sized opportunity to bring coherence here. There is, and, and I think that's one of the, the, the functions uh, of the Supreme Court is it, it's not only, you know, especially in these type of cases, you know, there's, there's two different sides and everybody feels strongly about their positions, and that's all fine. But the bigger issue is, is as the Supreme Court, are we giving clarity to everyone? Are we putting down precedent? Are we putting down a rule of law to say this is what the Constitution means and, and this is what you have to abide by? Now, you know, go ahead and be able to do it based on our opinion. So that, to me, is, is really what should drive all this stuff, not the partisanship, not the this side or that side, uh, but are we giving a clear rule for, for what the Constitution means? David Corbin, as always, a great pleasure. Thanks for spending time to explain where Alliance Defending Freedom is and how it sees this case and to put it into proper perspective for everyone listening. I appreciate your time, David. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. I want to talk to you for a moment about a group I've done work with for years, ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. You've seen how your freedom is under attack. Go to townhallreview.com to find out how you can join Alliance Defending Freedom to help ensure the opponents of freedom don't dictate your future. That's townhallreview.com. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today.